The Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Jack Wright, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and your host, Ryan Dangle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks, welcome to a very special edition of the Bear Down Report Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dangle. I am joined by Jack Wright. You can find him on Twitter at jwrightbdr. Brennan Shagru might be joining us during this podcast. We're not sure if his schedule will allow it, so it's going to be a surprise for us. If you want to read Brendan, you can find him on Bears Wire. You can find him on the Midway Minute, or you can find him on Twitter at Brendan Shagru. That's S-U-G-R-U-E. Uh, Patrick Sheldon, unfortunately, can't be here for this very special edition, but folks, we're thrilled about this one. We have our good friend, J.J. Stankovitz with us. J.J. Stankovitz, formerly of... NBC Sports Chicago, and now he's working for the Indianapolis Colts, which works out perfectly for us because we're going to talk about the Bears' new head coach, Matt Eberflus. Folks, before we dive into this awesome episode, we've got to make sure that we give a shout out to our guy, Jeff Cadwallader. If you're thinking about buying or selling a home this year, you got to visit GenevaJeff.com to learn more about how Jeff can help you. Jeff's been working with that properties for a while. He's an amazing guy, an amazing realtor. If you're thinking about it, visit GenevaJeff.com or give him a call 630-254-4734. Jeff Cadwalder at Properties. He's your guy. If you are looking to get a fresh new cut, you should go to Sheridan's Barbershop without a doubt. It's located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois. It's been serving the community for 68 years with five barbers. It's open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. You can go to Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or you can call 630-668-0137 and book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. All right. So elephant in the room, Jack, people are going to hear it from the second you open your mouth. You do not sound the same, Jack. You're not at your, your home setup today. So just everybody knows, right? Anything you want to throw into that? Yeah. You know, sometimes you just have to, uh, you have to adapt, right? Just, uh, just do your best and then whatever the circumstances are. Yeah, because because your your latest microphone, some of you probably don't notice, but but I notice, and his new microphone makes him sound sexy. And and this one, you kind of sound like you might be playing Call of Duty. I don't know, maybe it's just me. <laughs> uh, customer service, how can I help you today, Ryan? <laughs> how how excited are you to talk to JJ Stankovitz? The last time we talked to him, like his life was in like turmoil, and now it's like it's it's a totally different situation. You know, you're right. It reminds me that he was in flux big time, making a career change in a business that I think is very difficult on the onset. So to be able to try and make a move the way he made a move is pretty cool. I'm very excited to talk to him because now we have somebody that, you know, was an insider with the Bears and who is an insider with the Indianapolis Colts, where our new head coach is coming from. So that's pretty cool. I I watched a little bit of the Eberflus press conference. And, you know, I don't think he said anything that's going to make me jump out of my seat, but I don't think any coach could do that. I will say I did like Ryan Poles's, we're going to take back the North and we're never going to give it back. I, I did kind of like that, that whole thing. You know, it's, it's a, it's a passionate fan base. We, we need to hear some of those things. I'm going to be really curious in a, in a minute to see what, what JJ kind of thinks about all of this and, and really like, how is this guy the antithesis of Matt Nagy? Cause 
I don't want that. <laughs> no, I, I listened to a little bit too. I think your observations are spot on. That was a great moment with polls in that interview talking about being the Kings of the North. And I think the one thing that'll be interesting with Flus is this combination of, you know, this major market, you know, and the media that is the Chicago media. I think it does, you know, can chew people up and spit them out. And so that's the one thing that that I think is tough, but it seemed like they both owned the room pretty well. The other thing I know that he's been taking it on the chin for is the coach speak. And when I watched, he had a little bit of that going, but I guess as a coach or a former coach, I have a little bit more room for that because I do understand how some of the vernacular and some of the ways in which you communicate with your players can be isolated to that room or to that practice field. And it may not translate very well to the general public, but in other words, it may not land because it might seem like it's, you know, um, superficial, but when you start developing relationships with players and athletes, then that language isn't superficial. It really means something. So I hope it's, I hope it's that it really means something for him and his players. Fans are really hungry. They're hungry for some change, change of direction. Uh, I, I guess all that I heard with like how intense his practices are with Matt Eberflus, uh, that I was expecting maybe a little bit more of that in the press conference, but, but, but I also, I'm, I'm not overreacting to any of this. I, I posted on Twitter, he kind of puts his fingers together and we're a team. We're going to come together as a football team. Um, <laughs> other than that, you know, and just, we're just having fun with it. Um, although, you know, I'm sure someone will come back, what's wrong with the coaching? I like, I, this is a guy that I just, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know enough about him. And Jack, I'll be really honest. And I think, you know, this already is that I was not thrilled with this hire, but we'll see, we'll see where things go. What, what are you kind of thinking? Same thing. I mean, I, I, I put it out there pretty, I think pronounced that I was hoping to have a a veteran at the GM position and somebody a little bit younger uh, and offensive minded, uh, you know, at the head coach position. And so uh, I got neither of the things that I wanted, but that doesn't mean that I'm not hopeful. Uh, That doesn't mean that I'm going to, of course, give them a chance because they deserve that chance. I just, you know, you and I have talked a lot about it. We, we just, we, we, we know where the bodies are buried, so to speak. And, and we know who it is that's running this organization. And it's, and it's still in McCaskey's. I mean, the guy who just, you know, in early January said that he would be the person that was going to hire the GM and the coach seemingly just let the new GM make the final decision about the coach, which I like, but once again, reveals this inadequacy, I think, from the from the leadership down. It just creates, once again, some confusion. Maybe it's just noise. Maybe it won't matter. But I liked Flus's energy today. He seems like there will be accountability for sure. There was very few penalties with the Colts' defense. But then again, his defenses were always just kind of like mid-range. You know, so first-time head coach, first-time GM, first-time OC new quarterback, you you know, I don't know. I think we probably have to kind of hedge our bets a bit. Well, I know you really wanted Hackett from the Green Bay Packers, but instead you got Luke Getze from the Green Bay Packers. Jack, how are you feeling about that as as your Chicago Bears offensive coordinator? Again, I think it's undetermined. I I like the fact that he worked, you know, with Matt LaFleur, uh, with Hackett, with Aaron Rodgers, the offense up north, as much as we hate to admit it, is prolific. There's no doubt about it. 
you know, I don't know. He's he's played at Akron, I believe. Not that that's a you know, I don't want to you know rip your conference, Brian. I think it's it's an up and coming conference. There's no doubt about that. But I, there's just I, I don't know. I think anytime you're calling the shots, like when you get the actual chess pieces in your hands, you know, I think more offensive coordinators fail than than succeed. You know, and again, <laughs> I know we've been real, you know, conscientious of. There's a, a, almost like a, a polarization on Twitter, just like seemingly everywhere else in the world right now. If we're you know, being critical or we're doing some analysis, it doesn't mean that we're all of a sudden just taking a dump on this new you know, leadership and these, these new coaches. It's just we just don't really know. And, and, and we would know if it was a proven commodity, if it was a name, if it was somebody that we knew held the room without a doubt and who already had shifted a quarterback or an offense or an entire organization. And we just don't know any of that right now, Ryan. I am fascinated to see that the New York Giants hired Joe Shane and Brian Dable. And I'm going to be watching that franchise really closely because that's the guy that I wanted. I know that's the guy that you wanted. And so we'll, we'll see kind of what happens with that. Who do you think is in a better position right now? Well, the Bears or the, in, or the terms Giants? Of, in terms of quarterback, I mean, you really can't make that. I mean, Justin Fields is, is super exciting. And Daniel Jones likes to throw interceptions and fumble the football. So, well, but hey, now that I say that, I have to take it back just a little bit because Justin Fields fumbled the football quite a bit. All right. Well, we are stoked to have JJ Stankovitz with us. JJ, the last time you were with us, your life was in a very different position. You were contemplating getting out of the game and now you work for the Indianapolis Colts. Can you just kind of walk our listeners through like how things transpired and how you got to where you are right now? Yeah, it's been about a year, hasn't it, Ryan? I mean, it it was a year ago that I was kind of like, all right, well, you know, if this opportunity, which I wasn't talking about the opportunity with the Colts when we were, you know, doing our podcast, obviously, but I was kind of like, well, if you know, this job that I really want, if, you know, if it falls through, I don't get it, whatever it might be, then, yeah, I guess I'll find something else to do. Cause I was so sold on this position, um, you know, and, and working for a team. And now that we're about a year later, I can't speak highly enough about this job. I love every minute of it. Working for the Colts has been a, an incredible experience. It's a great organization to work for. The people I work with are phenomenal. And I just feel very lucky that, the, uh, the last shot I was going to give in this business has given me something that I, I hopefully can do for quite a long time. JJ, yeah, before we move any further, we just, I hope you understand how excited we are. Cause when you talked about uh, the fact that you might be leaving, you know, that, that line of work, it really kind of threw us all back because we respected so much what you did here in Chicagoland. And, uh, it's just, it's, we, we, I'm a firm believer that good things happen to good people. So JJ, truly, we are so, so thankful that, that this opportunity presented itself for you. Well, it's funny, Ryan, because I, I think when I talked about, you know, oh, maybe I'll get out of the business when I did that podcast with you guys, one of the examples I brought up was like Rich Campbell. Hey, he's one of the best beat writers on the Bears beat. He got out of the business. Well, fun fact, Rich lives nine minutes from me. No way. Indianapolis. He lives just like right up the road uh, here in the northern suburbs, Indianapolis. So we got we actually got together to watch the Bears Steelers Monday night game. Um, and we're just laughing. We're sending pictures of us cheers in our beers to, you know, Fishbane and, and, uh, Hogan, those guys just like, ah, hi, you guys have to deal with this while we're just hanging out, having some beers. So, uh, it's good. It's, it's really good. Um, you know, I'm glad I'm still doing what I love and I get to do what I love. Um, but Hey, you know, it, it's funny. Like this is now we're up to like 11 
radio TV podcast appearances that I've done talking about Matt Eberflus. And I think I have probably three or four more coming this week. So I'm glad I'm the, the, the guy in Indy that everyone knows so we can talk about this. Well, JJ, especially just one last uh, thank you. Thank you for you for I'm sure repeating the same answers just about in every way you possibly can. But let, let's hop right into it. Why should Chicago Bear fans be excited about Matt Eberflus? Well, so it's funny, like as we're doing this, I just watched his introductory press conference. And, you know, maybe maybe if you if you're looking at it and you're like, ah, oh, well, you know, he kept saying all these cliches and whatever, that stuff matters to players, you know? The, the people who matter here are the players who are going to play for Matt Eberflus and the coaches who are going to coach with Matt Eberflus. And here in Indianapolis, you don't find anyone who didn't love Matt Eberflus, didn't love working with him, playing for him because of that mentality that he brings every day. You know, he talked about that hits mentality and the, the relentless effort and energy. It's like, just go watch the Colts defense. That's how they played. And Ryan Poles, I, I thought it was interesting. He said, in his press conference that, you know, see, like, I think he was asked, like, how did you get to know Matt Eberflus? And he said, you know, everything's on film. So that he would watch the Colts defense and be like, man, those guys play, they play hard. They play physical. They play with effort and aggression. And that's how he, he kind of noticed Matt Eberflus. And like, you, you watch this Colts defense under Flus and it's eight guys flying to the ball. It's, you know, stripping attempts at every opportunity. It's how Darius Leonard, you know, he had eight forced fumbles and four interceptions this year. That's something Peanut Tillman didn't even do. No, no other player in NFL history has done that. And you just look at the way that that Flus's players play for him. And you can envision that being a whole team. And you're like, man, that's a team nobody would want to play in the NFL. JJ. I think one of the most pronounced inadequacies of the former Bears regime was an inability to adjust at halftime. Based on what you have seen of Flus and his defenses, how is he at that chess match? Do you see a different defense in the second half on occasion than the first when needed? They, they have a really big library of things that they can go to. And I think that's really important that, you know, when Flus talks about being good situationally, they have a lot of different things that they can pull from on third down in the red zone in goal to go, you know, when the, the offense is backed up near the goal line, the, those different things and that ability to coach it well, and then be able to adjust on the fly is something that Matt Eberflus is really good at from kind of a larger perspective, not necessarily, you know, like a halftime adjustment, but you know, Matt Eberflus's defense is very much a zone heavy defense. But this year, the Colts played more man than they ever have because they they thought that would be a bit of an advantage just to be able to, hey, we can click into this for a little bit against this opponent in this situation. And, and they had success with it. So that just those little things, he's so detailed in everything he does and he prepares his guys so well, you know, that I, I think those are things that really benefit him as he becomes a head coach and that there will be no stone left, you know, overturned. You know, he he will find whatever solutions are out there, coach them, and then implement them very well. We've talked a lot about just the things that Matt Eberflus does well and things that we're excited about, but JJ, I want to know, what are some of his glaring weaknesses? What are the things that he needs to improve upon, even though he's gotten this head coaching opportunity that you've seen? I think there's, you know, the, the, the aspect specifically with the Colts defense this year, which was a really good defense, but it didn't get after the quarterback a whole lot. 
And a lot of people here in Indianapolis said, all right, well, you, know, you got to blitz more. You got to blitz more. Um, because, you know, the Colts were, I think, bottom three in the NFL in blitz rate. They, they trusted their front four to get home. Front four didn't get home as much as the Colts would have liked them to. So I don't know if that's necessarily a weakness. It's probably a, you know, a, a growth point for him. But I, I thought it was really interesting, guys, just again, like watching this press conference. I thought him saying he's not going to call defensive plays, like what a great philosophy to walk into this job with. Like essentially saying, look, I'm going to hire the right staff. I don't have every single answer on defense. Like I am not God's gift to defense. I know that if I hire the right people and we implement our system well, that I don't need to do that. I can take that more CEO type approach, which is what Mike Vrabel does in Tennessee. And I think that self-awareness to say, yes, I'm a defensive minded head coach, but I do not need to call the defensive plays because I want to be able to take that bigger, you know, role that, that larger scope of things I think is a tremendous asset to how he views football and how he will be as a head coach. JJ, I think a lot of Bears fans, I know a lot of Bears fans are worried about the kind of collapse in Jacksonville. It was a must-win game, and some of that gets put on Matt Eberflus. I'm sure there's a whole lot of other places that goes. You know, what would Everywhere. You, <laughs> what would you kind of say to, to Bears fans that are nervous about that situation? I would say that he would not have been hired by the Bears, and he would not have got a second interview with the team that beat him if he didn't have some good answers for why that happened, or at least how that will not happen again, because I mean, frankly, it was embarrassing. You know, Chris Ballard came out and said it the week after that. We just got embarrassed and we embarrassed the city. We embarrassed our owner, embarrassed the team, the fans, all that, that, that sting of that game is still, it's still here. Like I was, you know, texting with a couple of coworkers over the weekend, just being like, man, like, you think we could have beat the Rams? You think we could have beat the Chiefs? And it's like, yeah, we probably could have, except we lost to the Jaguars at the end of the season. So um, it's kind of a, a weird paradox of what happened that, you know, we're, we're still figuring that out here in Indianapolis. But I think Matt Eberflus probably had some good answers for why that happened, how it happened, and then again, how that will never happen in Chicago. AJ, if you would take us back in time a little bit it, my understanding is that Flus was a hire under McDaniels yep. and, and then impressed Reich so much that he was kept is that correct yeah so Flus is one of I think it was two coaches who were hired uh before the you know before McDaniels pulled out of the job and Frank Reich let so the the offensive line coach was let go after one year Matt Eberflus obviously was retained Frank Reich, I mean, the, the detail with which he puts his staffs together is, you know, it's top notch in the NFL. And if he didn't see eye to eye with the, you know, the defensive coordinator, if, if he wanted to get his own guy in, he would have done that. But this kind of arranged marriage between Reich and Flus uh, worked out great. They both really respected each other. Reich had complete trust in Eberflus to run that defense. And that the, the fact that he stayed on and had as much success as he did without having a relationship with Frank Reich, without really even knowing him, without knowing who the head coach was going to be when McDaniels pulled out uh, is really a testament to the kind of person and leader that Matt Eberflus is. You know, he can, he can work with a lot of different people and work successfully with them. And I think that that's such a, 
you know, a, a really good quality to have, you know, and, and even look at, you know, so last year, Nick Sirianni is hired in Philadelphia. He brings Jonathan Gannon, the Colts cornerbacks coach with him to Philadelphia. So now all of a sudden you've got this opening at, at the cornerback position and Matt Eberflus goes and hires James Rowe, who like you guys will get to know his background a little bit. He was a pitcher at South Florida, didn't play collegiate football, but then started coaching after his college career came to an end and kind of worked his way up. He was with Washington for a couple of years and kind of like in a, you know, low level assistant role. He was with Valdosta state with Kenny Moore for a little bit. And, you know, the, the Colts kind of took a bit of a swing bringing in James Rowe to be their cornerbacks coach and the work he did with, with our corners in 2021 was incredible. Like Rocky scene went from being, one of the grabbiest penalty getting corners in the NFL to being one of the least penalized corners in the NFL. Isaiah Rogers took a huge step forward. Kenny Moore, the second finally made it to a pro bowl, like just those little things and how Matt Eberflus, you know, could, can go and say, Hey, no, like I, I like the way this guy thinks it may not be in quote unquote obvious hire to bring him in, but I think this guy can do some really good things. And then boom, you, you see what happened that type of stuff really matters in, in how Matt Eberflus approaches things. Just a quick follow-up to that. So he inherited, I believe, seven of 11 starters on defense and one of the lowest payrolls. Mm-hmm. So can you try to document a little bit? Like, And he took that defense from being one of the lowest in the leagues to amongst the best. How, how, did, how did that happen? How, how did he do that specifically? Well, getting Darius Leonard on your team really helps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that alone, getting for, you know, for my money, one of the two or three best inside linebackers in the NFL on your team really helps. And a guy who bought, who bought into Eberflus's system. Um, but it, it took a lot of really good coaching. And you see how the Colts have built this defense kind of brick by brick. You know, you, you get this cornerstone in Darius Leonard. But then, you know, you start building – through some, you know, mid to late round picks, a guy like Bobby O'Karake coming in, you know, and working his way up into a starting role. Kari Willis coming in as a, I think, a fourth round pick and being a starting safety. Julian Blackman, a third round pick, starting safety. You know, and then like there haven't been these big time free agent additions. There was the trade for DeForest Buckner. But, you know, what, what, what Fluce says is that in his defense, you need to have a good three technique, a good will linebacker, and a good slot corner to make it really sing. Well, the Colts have DeForest Buckner as their three technique. Darius Leonard is the will linebacker and Kenny Moore, the second is their slot corner. All three of those guys are pro bowlers this year. So it's been this kind of steady incline of building this, this defense in his mold and getting guys who play the way that he wants to play. And, and that's not just Fluce; That's the entire Colts front office, but you know, it wasn't like the Colts went out and it's like, all right, Fluce is here. Let's go spend a bunch of money on guys who Flutes wants. It, it was a, a incremental process to get these guys on the roster, and it's worked out really well. So speaking of guys on the roster, and because you've spent so much time with the Bears, you have gotten to know this core. And I know, understand things can change, especially with a new GM. But given the guys the Bears have now, guys like Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson, Khalil Mack, you know, players that are un- likely going to be here for a couple more years, who really stands to benefit the most, I guess, from the acquisition or the hiring of Fluce? I mean, Roquan Smith, just right off the bat, like you see a fast physical linebacker 
who's got pretty good ball skills. Like that is a Matt Eberflus linebacker right there in Roquan Smith. Um, you know, I, I think Quinn, Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack have experience in four, three schemes. So you would think the transition to playing with their hand in the dirt probably wouldn't be super significant. Um, you know, Jalen, Jalen Johnson's a guy I really liked the last year. I covered the bears in 2020, um, you know, getting him with James Rowe probably will only help him out. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think like, you know, you, you circle Roquan Smith and you say like, this dude can be a really game changing off ball linebacker of which there are not many in the NFL, but Matt Eberflus just finished up coaching one for four years and Darius Leonard. And, you know, you kind of just see that line between those two guys and they're different players, you know, Roquan's maybe, you know, you, you, like Darius is his, the way he plays with his arms is just like unbelievable. Um, but, you know, Roquan obviously has quite a few talents to himself too. So, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say like, all right, like, you know, Roquan's going to be an all pro in 2022, but like we get to the end of 2022 and Roquan Smith is an all pro. I will not be surprised at all. In that same vein then JJ, and I know it's all just projection, what do you think Eddie Jackson will look like under a Fluce coach defense? I mean, he has been a huge disappointment and, and hugely frustrating. And it seems like not being held really very accountable a whole lot in the last, you know, coaching staff. Well, I can talk about it, you know, from, from our perspective here, um, you know, Julian Blackman, uh, one of our starting safeties, he unfortunately had a torn Achilles this year that, that wiped out more than half his year, but Blackman is a, a rangy, physical down like he can play downhill if you want him to like the work the work that he did against Derrick Henry in week three when we played the Titans was like unbelievable for a, a what you would you know presume to be a free safety kind of that rangy guy um you know look I mean whatever whoever the player is Matt Eberflus does not tolerate loafs he does not tolerate anything but your best effort that, you know, that is something that will be instilled in every single player on the Chicago Bears offense, defense, special teams from day one. And if you don't meet that, Matt Eberflus is not shy to say, well, then you're not going to play. So, you know, that that is a challenge to every single player on this Bears team, um, just like it was a challenge to every player on the Colts that, hey, you don't you're not giving it all. You know, you're all like, well, we got someone else who probably will. So, JJ, I just have like a general question steering away from flus and everything after you've spent a year covering the Colts organization. And I'm not asking you to like, you know, bash anybody or anything like that, but like, what's the difference going from the bears to the Colts covering that team from ownership down to the coaching staff? I'm, I'm genuinely curious what it's been like for you this past year. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, just talking about the Colts, like, first of all, like our owner here in Indianapolis, Jim Irsay is like, he, he knows what he's doing and really wants to win, like really wants to win and knows how to win like that. That is something that I've been so impressed just getting to know him and how he processes things like, you know, we lose to the Jaguars and the team lands back in Indianapolis and Ursa is like to Ballard and right, get to my office right now. We are having a discussion. And as Chris Ballard described it and, 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 and ass chewing, um, because he, he's like, we, th- this was embarrassing. We can't have this happen again. So I, I really come to appreciate his leadership of an organization. He's, he's just, he's a really good owner. And then Chris Ballard, uh, someone whose you know, view of football I've respected for a really long time, now getting to kind of know him and know his processes. 
has been really impressive in the way that he views roster construction and talent evaluation and analytics and all these different things um, is really impressive. And then Frank Reich, I mean, like he's, he's the most like calm, cool, collected coach probably in the NFL who also happens to be an absolute genius about offense and is one of the most aggressive coaches in the NFL about going for it. You know, he, he is a coach who does not shy away from going for it on fourth and two from his own 40 yard line. And that's a quality in him that, you know, as you look where coaching is going and in-game decisions and game management is going is a real strength of his, um, that he is very willing to be aggressive on that side of the ball. So, you know, just kind of those three pillars of the organization, um, I've just been so impressed by and like guys like our players here are awesome. Like it's such a good locker room. That's not by mistake, by the way, like the, like we put a lot of emphasis on character and like finding Colts players. When, when we go through the draft, I had a chance to talk with our director of director of player development. I might get that wrong. Brian Decker, who essentially his role is, to vet players as well as you possibly can in the draft process and through free agency. And like this dude is the guy who like he vetted green berets in the military to evaluate if they were going to make it as a green beret or not. And he's pretty good at it. And now he's, he's here in Indianapolis and he's pretty good at vetting if a player is going to be a good player for the Colts or not. And a lot of that is just like, are you a hard worker? Do you treat people well? Like, just like stuff like that. Obviously, are you talented enough to play in the NFL is number one. But there are all these other different things that we take into account to build a roster that, you know, I've been really impressive to kind of sink my teeth into and see. So it's just a really solid organization. And one right now that, I mean, the way the season ended, there's no, all right, well, hey, great. You know, pat ourselves on the back. We went nine and eight. Jonathan Taylor led the league in rushing by a billion yards. It's like, we got to fix this because, Winning a Super Bowl is hard. We think we have a good roster, but like what happened? And we can't let that happen again at the end of the season. I just got to say, man, JJ, that was, you need to give some pointers to uh, our guys, George and Ted over at the, at Hallis Hall, because you sold that perfectly. Like I just, that, I mean, no, it's not like, it's obviously true because the Colts are a top flight organization, but just hearing you talk about it and just truly believe like in what you've seen this past year, that's impressive. Like it almost makes me want to jump ship. I won't, but <laughs> hey, we're pretty close. Just come down I-65. We'd love to have you. Oh, oh no. <laughs> it's the, that's the worst highway in America. JJ, you just you seem like a different person, man. And I'm just like, I'm so I'm I'm elated. Like you're you're with a, a, a high functioning organization. You know, you're you got a new house, new, new I'd like to get stoked for you guys. Like truly, man. The the worst highway in America, by the way, is I-70 in the state of Kansas. I don't know, man. 65 is pretty terrible. My folks, yeah, live but, off- you know, look, at, at least you got windmills to look at. Then, you know, you, <laughs> once you, you go from Crown Point to the windmills and, you know, maybe you stop in Rensselaer for, you know, a snack or something. And then from the windmills, you get to West Lafayette. There's some cool stuff there. And then from, you know, West Lafayette, it's only a short drive in Indianapolis. I don't hate it as much as, uh, no, I hate driving it when there's snow on the ground. That is the absolute worst. But no, I just, Drive I-70 through the state of Kansas and, like, get back to me. But also, don't do that because that's a terrible highway. <laughs> JJ, how do you think Flus will handle the media? I mean, you have a keen eye on that specifically. We got a little bit of a sample today during the press conference. 
are they going to chew him up and spit him out? Are they going to keep making fun of his, you know, cliches? How, how, what do you think? How's he going to do in this major market? Now, if the Bears are winning, then cliche away. But if they're losing, I mean, look, like everyone knows, Chicago's a tough place to win. And if you're not winning, it is a tough place to be. But if Flus wins, like, yeah, sign every, you know, get it, get a hits t-shirt from obvious t-shirts, you know, or whatever it is. Like that everyone's going to be wearing those things around Chicago and no one's going to care. So ultimately like what, what I learned being in the media core for, you know, as long as I did in Chicago is like, if you're winning, you know, all right, you might get a joke here or there on the radio, but no one cares. And if you're losing, then it's worse, but also like, you know, Matt Nagy, my, my first, the first year he was in Chicago in 2018, he was awesome with the media. He was so good. He was, he was, introspective and thoughtful and engaging and then you know the bears didn't win as many games but <laughs> Matt Nagy like didn't like you know maybe he got a little more defensive about things but like he was still the same guy and like all of a sudden then oh yeah, what an idiot everything he says in a press conference it's like no it's because the team isn't winning that's the only thing it's because the team isn't winning if Matt Eberflus's teams win cool he could go up there and say absolutely nothing in a press conference and fans are not going to care. Cause that's the other thing I learned is like fans don't care about media gripes. If the team's winning, they don't even want, they don't want to hear it. You know, oh, the press box at soldier field doesn't have diet Coke. Well, who cares? Like <laughs> drink your RC, diet RC cola and go watch this good football team. <laughs> so JJ, we know your time is precious, so we won't keep you much longer here. We just want to know is there any, any Matt Eberflus nuggets that you might be able to give us anything that we should watch for anything that we should know that we do, you know, maybe can't just do a quick Google search and find out yeah. what, what should we know? So I've told a couple people this, but you know, anyone who's listening to this or are you guys like, if you want to see what a Matt Eberflus defense is really about, go watch our game in week three against Tennessee. We lost that game, but you know, Carson Wentz had two sprained ankles in that game. Could you know he could barely move? Um, that had more to do with it than than the defense. Derrick Henry went for over 100 yards, but he did 28 carries to get there. But like, just watch the the effort that the defense plays with. And then there is a, a moment in that game where Tennessee was punting. Zaire Franklin uh, went in to try to block the punt. He ran into the punter. They got a first down. They go drive downfield, but then Rocky Seen gets a strip like late on that drive. And it's like, that's, that's the kind of stuff like guys fly into the ball and then being really intelligent and disciplined about when to go for those strip attempts. And the, you know, that that's how you get to second in the NFL and takeaways. That's how you, you know, hold Derrick Henry to a, a relatively inefficient day, despite the final numbers, like the, that game to me, like really stood out in terms of how Flus wants to play defense. And then, you know, you go, go watch the Buffalo game. Like that's the obvious one to go watch from this year where, you know, Josh Allen got picked off a couple times, just shut him down. And that offense just got completely shut down with two backup safeties in there, by the way. But that Tennessee game, like if you just want to see that relentless effort and you know, that kind of, again, that hits mentality that Flus talks about, go watch that game. All right, JJ. So last time you were on, you talked about, uh, I'll just quote you deep dish pizza sucks. Uh, you got a little, a little fire from some of our listeners, but now I've got to ask if you can, you can settle a bet. How do you feel about sweet potato pie? Uh, strongly prefer pumpkin pie over sweet potato pie. 
How come? Talk to us about that. Because I mean, my mom always made pumpkin pie growing up and it's delicious. Um, but now I, I've, I developed this weird, like late life lactose intolerance deal and uh, pumpkin pie has been an easier transition to a non-dairy version of it. Again, this is all just based on my mom's cooking, um, but she makes a very good non-dairy pumpkin pie. And I will choose that over sweet potato pie every single day. All right, JJ, we know that your time is precious. We just want to say thank you so much. What, for, what, for hold you. on. What is the, what is the, <laughs> can All right. back up a second? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, so Patrick Sheldon, who wanted to be here so bad, but unfortunately yep. his schedule just didn't work out. We just, we, we, we don't really fight on the podcast. Obviously we go back and forth on a lot of different issues, but that's one that we, we really like it got, uh, it got personal. And so I'm a, I'm, I'm the sweet potato guy and he's the pumpkin pie or actually, no, wait, is he pecan? I can't remember. Or pecan, pecan, he was pecan, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And so we, we, we got into it really bad. And so, you know, in our text chain, he made sure you have to ask JJ Stankovitz his take on sweet potato pie. Okay. Got it. And also I, I stand by deep dish. <laughs> Look, there's a, there, I live, I live, I live closer to Lou Malnati's here than I did in Chicago now. So you know, re reworking it to get the, uh, you know, the, the thin crust tavern style from Lou's is spot on. So, so yeah. So, so what's the, what's the Indianapolis pizza scene like? Cause when I was down there, the food was not, you know, it wasn't Chicago standard. So well, what's no. it been like? For I mean, you? Look, look, Chicago standard food is it's off the charts, but what Indianapolis has is enough good places to get by like very and comfortably. So, um, you know, we've got a number of great steakhouses downtown, Prime, St. Elmo's, Harry and Izzy's. Um, you, you're not, there's no shortage of good steakhouses here in Indy. So that's a good start because, you know, Chicago obviously has some of the best in the world. But from a other food standpoint, the only thing that we kind of lack here, and I, I got to, I, Chris Ballard mentioned before he came on our podcast, there's a taco place in Westfield. Mm-hmm. which is a suburb just north of me. I got I to gotta go get that taco place because I can't find a good, like a really good taco place here. Well, so I was going to ask, you know, aside from the people, which I know you miss a lot of the people from Chicago, what is something that you are very, is it just the food or is, is there something else that you're really missing from the Chicagoland area? I mean, look, Johnny's Beef, I, like not having regular access to that, um, that stinks, but I, I did go way, way out of my way when I came back from Jeff Dickerson's uh, uh, visitation to go to Johnny's. You know, I was not in a great mental space at that point anyway, but going into Johnny's and being able to like, be like, yeah, I have a beef hot wet fries diet. Here's 10 bucks. That like, that was so restorative for me to be able to go to Johnny's. Shout out Johnny's in Elmwood Park, by the way. I I, I, I just forget that not everyone in Chicago knows what Johnny's is because it's such a big part of like my Chicago identity. Um, I miss that. I'm, I miss being able to go to like a White Sox game just on a random Wednesday, um, you know, and the, hopefully the lockout ends soon. But it's, it's not all that far away if I really wanted to go to a game. So probably probably those two things. Yeah. All right, JJ, seriously, thank you so much for your time. If for some crazy reason we have one of our listeners that that isn't connected with you, uh, where can they find you? You can find me on Colts.com. You can follow me on Twitter at JJ Stankovitz. And if you are a Colts fan listening to this, which would be an interesting choice, um, you can find, you can hear me on the Colts Audio Network um, doing some podcasts there. So check us out. 
and yeah, no, just thanks for having me back on. I love talking to you guys. Um, it's, it's been quite a year since we last chatted and, uh, you know, Ryan, you're a new dad now. So like, you know, Hey, some, some changes going around, man. Yeah. Okay. So as a father of twins, any, any parting fatherly advice before we get you out of here, whatever phase they're in, it will end. And then a new one will begin. <laughs> yeah. The, the sleep, she just started sleeping like a week and a half ago. So well, I'll take it anytime I can. Yeah. And JJ- then it'll be great. And then a new phase will begin and you're like, I can't believe this is happening now, but then it's, you know, then that one's over and a new one begins. Jack, Brendan, Brendan was in and out like, hi, Brendan. Bye, Brendan. Jack, uh, JJ Stankovitz, quick thoughts on it. So good to have him on. He's been so good to our show both a year ago and then now today. It's fascinating to, to follow his path and especially to see him land someplace in an organization that seems to be, you know, truly up and coming with an arrow pointed in the right direction. And that, again, that's not to bash on our bears, but we all know they've been on the struggle bus. And when you look at the two and you juxtapose them, I could see where he would really be enjoying in being in that environment for a little, for a little while, for sure. Stoked that we got to have him on uh, folks. I hope that you enjoyed that interview half as much as we did. I, I just got to say this one more time. If I hadn't made this blatantly obvious, he's about one of the best dudes in the industry that you could possibly imagine. Good things happen to good people. Stoked for him. Folks, if you have liked what you've heard, please hit subscribe. If you've really liked it, you can hit us with a five-star review because that really helps to widen our audience. But if you've loved it, you can go to beardownreport.com, click on the podcast section, any one of the episodes, and there's a donate button. You can buy us a round of beers. If you do, let us know. We want to shout you out on this podcast. For Jack Wright, Brennan Shagrew, Patrick Sheldon, I'm Ryan Dangle. Folks, thank you so much for listening. And as always, bear down.